Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So last week, just quickly, we looked at the gift of tongues. And uh, tongues is a, is a foreign concept for, for some. And uh, it's, a, it's a foreign concept because we, we haven't come to understand the word. We haven't come to dig into the word with regards to this topic. So I want to encourage you. I'm not going to teach on it at all. But uh, uh, last week was awesome. I listened to the teaching. Uh, please go and get it on SoundCloud. This morning we're going to look at, um, I've entitled the message for the king and his kingdom. For the king and his kingdom. And oftentimes as Christians we kind of have a, a tainted view of what Christianity is. So our experience of Christianity is very dull. It's very dead. And so we want to come to, to know and understand the word and what Christianity is all about so that our Christianity can actually become something that is active, something that is uh, life-changing, not just for us, but the people around us as well. If we look at every, um, every man and woman of the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith, which is the Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, and then every disciple, every apostle of, of Jesus Christ uh, lived radical lives, lived lives that impacted their communities, that impacted uh, the people around them. And I, for one, want to be someone who's impacting my community, impacting the people around me. And maybe you're thinking like, well, you're the pastor, so like it's easy for you to say, no, like I'm, I'm not just uh, here preaching a good word on a Sunday, but throughout the week I'm about my father's business. And I don't get it right every time. Um, in my household, like there's, uh, you can ask Catherine, like I've, I've got lows at times. Um, and Devin also, he's, he's got a lot of low in him. And uh, <laughs> his surname is low for those of you guys that didn't know. And uh, you, you're welcome to, to laugh in church. It's good to laugh. Um, in, in, in John, one of the letters of John, he writes and he says that a merry heart does good like medicine. So uh, let's be merry. Let's be joyful because it's good for our souls. It ministers to us. But um, I've entitled this for the kingdom of his kingdom. And i just open up with a few quotes. Firstly, Ronald Spears has said this. The only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. So this is in light of war. And he's uh, making this, de- this declaration. The only hope that you have is to accept that you're already dead when you go to war. When you go to battle because then you're not holding back then you're uh, uh, gonna accomplish what you need to accomplish as a soldier as a GI a government issued so to speak then uh, Napoleon Hill said great achievement is usually born of great sacrifice and is never the result of selfishness that's like food for thought like how many Christians none of us obviously how many Christians we know are actually very selfish in their their nature in their root like everything is about them what they can get from God what they can get in this life and it's very little about a sacrifice. Then Martin, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, If a man hasn't discovered something that he is willing to die for, he isn't fit to live. Wow, that's heavy. And I know some of you came to church this morning to uh, have a tap on your back and uh, have a bless me word. But uh, we're not about that. We're about, yes, receiving the, the message of comforting. But we're also about uh, maturing in the things that God has for us. Because that's God's desire. For The world doesn't need Christians who are comforted they need christians who are challenged into maturity we need and we want and we we looked at this that there there's a lot of christians who have the spirit of god in them but a lot of christians don't have the spirit of god upon them the manifestation of the spirit the the the, the fruits of the spirit the gifts of the spirit and we want to we want to have and see those things then uh, another guy who i can't uh, pronounce he said 
being a soldier is more than courage. It's sacrificing yourself for something greater than yourself. Sacrificing yourself for something greater than yourself. And then H. Jackson Brown Jr. said, be willing to lose a battle in order to win the war. So again, all of these, uh, these quotes are in line with, with battle and with war and, and uh, being a soldier. But uh, a lot of this is also seen in the life of Jesus, seen in the life of the, 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 the early apostles, the early believers, the disciples of, of Jesus, which every one of them died for their faith, were martyrs. Dying for something that was uh, um, greater than themselves. Dying for the gospel that we are celebrating today and every day of our lives. The message of Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice. And all of these, these quotes have one thing in common and it's sacrifice. A life laid down for something or someone else. And it's one thing, and uh, Jesus says this as well, it's one thing to die for a friend, but it's a completely different thing to die for someone that is ungodly. Which was all, all of us when Jesus died. None of us deserved Jesus when he died, but he chose to die for us because of the purpose and the will of God for men to experience salvation, for men to experience relationship with God and to be transformed by that. We can only truly begin to live when we have decided to die to self. And some of you may be here this morning, you're like, life sucks. And that's not a word of knowledge, but it's just general. And, but maybe life sucks for you right now and it's difficult and it's challenging. And the, the amazing thing with um, this, this message that we're going to get into this, this morning is it is really simple to turn your life from sucking to actually thriving. And, it's about, and it starts with dying to self. And not just dying to self the moment you said yes to Christ and you receive the Spirit and your, your, your dead uh, nature, your, your, your ungodly nature was crucified with Christ and you received the Spirit living inside of you and you became alive. But it's from that day onwards and even today and tomorrow choosing to die to self every day. It's a choice that we need to make. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 24 and 26 or 24 to 26 from Passion. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continue to surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives to my glory, you will continually discover true life. All of us want to discover true life, right? All of us have had, uh, run a survey right now asking questions about enjoying life, having a full life, experiencing abundance, experiencing uh, health and peace and, and joy and, and tranquility. All of us would say 100% yes, I want to sign up for that. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you do these things, you'll discover true life. But oftentimes we don't want to do what it takes and requires to experience true life. We want to do things our way. We want to say, yes, Jesus, like, I want to experience all of the good things that you came to bring for me. I want to experience salvation. I want to experience forgiveness of sin. I want to be healed. I want to uh, have, have a lot of things. I want to, but that's one part of Christianity. Jesus came to provide a lot for us. But then there's also a big chunk of our joy, our satisfaction, our fulfillment that comes in when we die to self and we become a living sacrifice. That is what Jesus is saying here. Continually to surrender my, to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, say self-sacrifice. If you choose this, because God doesn't force this on you. I don't force this on you. But if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For even if you were to gain the whole, uh, uh, all the wealth and all the power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? 
And what could be more valuable to, uh, to you than your own soul? So we see a surrender, surrendered lives, lives submitted to his calling, his leading. We are born again with God's spirit inside of us. And all of us have been changed supernaturally by that. But that supernatural needs not just become something that we are enjoying, but that the people around us are also enjoying. And we don't often see this change because of a lack of surrender, a lack of submission, a lack of obedience. We've looked at this often, the, the parable that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7, the wise man uh, building his house on the rock. And the only difference between the two was obedience, surrender, submission to what was communicated to him. The Christian life and, and walking fulfilled lives, walking uh, lives of, of significance really boils down to this one simple word, obey, surrender. These aren't cuss words. Some of your faces look like it's cuss words that I'm using right now. Some of you are offended because I thought we were a grace church. We called grace life. So why are we using the word obey and surrender and submission? Because it's in the word. Jesus talked about this a lot. Jesus modeled this for us. He surrendered. He obeyed. He was something bigger than just having a good time. Matthew 8, 89 says, But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority. For I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell you one, I can tell one to go and, uh, and he'll go and another to come and he'll come. I command my servants and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is to stand here and command healing over my son and he will be instantly healed. Now, this is an amazing passage of Scripture. Jesus responds with, I haven't seen greater faith than this in all of Israel. And uh, that's a teaching on his own. But what I want to look at and, and, and aim at specifically this morning is, is Jesus making this statement. And a lot of it is, is hinged on. And oftentimes we kind of, we, we don't get the full intent and the full meaning of, of stories like this throughout the Bible. Because we, we oftentimes... Read the Bible looking for something that we need, not looking for what it is communicating. Right? Anyone ever done that? Where you're like, I need this, so I'm going to go to the Bible and look for this. That's not the purpose of the Bible. The, pur the, the Bible has already got a message. And it's got a purpose. And so we need to go to the Bible for what its message is, for what its purpose is. And one of it is building ourselves up. Giving us the picture of who God is, his love for us. And here we see this man and he's making this, this statement, I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers. So oftentimes we just have this mindset of like, cool, I'm, I'm, I've been given this authority because, say for example, in the, in, the, in the sense of when you become a parent, then you have immediate authority over a child, right? They can't do anything, so you've got that authority, it's a given. And so it's, there, there are different seasons of life that we go through that we are given things, but we don't understand that there's a, 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 a two-sided coin to things. Especially in church and in, 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 in life in general. We are called to have mutual submission towards one another. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, when we get into, uh, I think it's verse 20, 21, 22, where it says, Wives, submit unto your husbands. But before that it says, wives and husbands be mutually submitted to one another as unto the Lord. So before you can accomplish any of that, you need to be submitted to God. And so this guy is saying that I'm a man of authority, but I'm also under authority. 
So the invitation is this, before we can accomplish anything for God, before we can really truly walk out our purposes, is to become men and women that are under authority. Submitted to the Word of God. Submitted to the things that His Word is calling us to submit to. Which is godly leadership. Which is submitted to one another. Having transparency. Having that kind of accountability. Being involved in each other's lives. Not in a, a, a religious way. Not in a controlling way. But being vulnerable and being open to be corrected and receive instruction when you need instruction. Who of you have uh, recently uh, received instruction or a, a tough word, a difficult word that you didn't want to hear but you needed to hear? Anyone in the last week? Last month? I would say the last year I'm hoping everyone's arms would go up. If your arms aren't going up, it's indicating that you haven't allowed that input into your life and you're missing out on something. And maybe you're not allowing that because you don't want to submit, you don't want to surrender. And I'm not prophesying this over you. But the word says this, that those who don't humble themselves under the mighty hand of God will not be exalted. God resists the proud. And it's not he's going out of his way to make your life horrible for you. But there's like the law of gravity. If you go jump off of a building and you fall to the ground and you break your leg, you can't blame God for that. If you blame God for that, Man, like, you need more prayer than just for your leg uh, to be healed. It's a law. And so there's certain, the law of free will. God doesn't overthrow your free will. And so there's, there's, there's laws, and the law of humility is something that is written in the code of, of all mankind, of creation. And humility is part of salvation, really. It's about uh, laying down your life and choosing to... To become submitted to another's calling, another's purpose over your life. To believe God for who He is. And stop trying to play God yourself. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1 verse 12 to 18. Reading from the message translation says, I'm so grateful to Christ Jesus for making me adequate to do this work. He went out on a limb, you know, entrusting me with this ministry. The only credentials I brought to it were violence and witch hunts and arrogance. Right there we find the word arrogance, which is the opposite of humility. But I was treated merciful because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who I was doing it against. So this is Paul writing to Timothy about his persecution of the church. And he says, Grace mixed with faith and love poured over me and into me. And all because of Jesus. Here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof, public sinner number one, of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. Deep honor and, uh, deep honor and bright glory to the king of all time. One God, immortal, invisible, ever and always. Oh yes, I'm passing this work on to you, my son Timothy. The prophetic word that was directed to you prepared us for this. All those prayers and coming together now, uh, so you will do this well, fearless. In your struggle, keeping a firm grip on your faith and on yourself. After all, this is a fight we're in. This is the only fight worth fighting. It's a fight that Jesus gave us to fight. It's not a fight against principalities and, uh, or a fight against flesh and blood, but it's against 
and for people's souls. Jesus came to die. He came to seek and save the lost. And he accomplished what he needed to accomplish. He played his part. Now we get to be partakers in making that dream of God's a reality. Drawing people from darkness into light. There's only one fight, and it's this fight that, is, that carries any significance. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 talks about this and it says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons. The King James says, uh, Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Oftentimes we want to fight the, 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 the thing on the surface, flesh and blood, what we can perceive with our eyes. But there's something going on behind the scenes. And so oftentimes in Christian circles as well, as well, we're about behavior modification, changing the fruit. Where Jesus did not come to change the fruit, he came to change the root, which by default changes the fruit. And sometimes it takes time for that fruit to be shown, right? All of you are taking a lot of time to start showing fruit in your lives. Just a joke, a little bit of sarcasm, bear with me. Change takes time. Fruitfulness change takes time. But when it comes to the surface, it remains. And we want fruit that remains. The world needs fruit that remains. The world doesn't need religious Christianity that puts on fruit and then it only is born for a week or two weeks or a month or five years and then it comes to destruction. Religion doesn't change people. True Christianity is about being changed from the inward outward. And that requires discipleship. It requires growing in knowledge and understanding. It says our weapons. We're not using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. What is this, what is this communicating? We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. If we, look at, if we look at society today, every form of evil that we see arises from a belief. Every form of evil that we see, every form of sin that we see in this world, it, it, it has come to be because of a belief. Where does believing come from? Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So right belief comes from hearing the word. And in context there, it's specifically the gospel of Christ. So no gospel of Christ, no right belief, which means all kind of destruction and evil. So again, it stresses the importance of if we want to see change in this world, if we want to see change in our family, we first need to come to hear the word and to become convinced of the gospel of Christ for ourselves. And as we become convinced, we can start convincing others of the gospel of Christ, the love of God and what Jesus sacrificed for us. And we can start becoming men and women who are living sacrificial lives, laying down our comfort, our, what we want, what we need for the sake of others, for the good of others. We need to hear the gospel and continue hear the, hearing the gospel so we can be bold up in our faith, so we can have 
the belief of who God is and have that right belief which will reach lead to proper and healthy fruit. Because whatever you're believing is, is dictating and determining the kind of life that you're living. Proverbs says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you're receiving, whatever you're believing, is leading to a specific kind of fruitfulness. And ultimately, the most important thing that we need to believe is what God will share the testimony of, is who Christ is, and yielding to and giving over to that, believing in our hearts that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and openly declaring that. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, or 1 to 7 from the message says, So my son... So we see all of this kind of encouragement and, and uh, the letter to, to Timothy, Titus, these are like strong letters and we're closing off with, with strong letters. We're closing off this, this series of what salvation is and God's put in us and in through us with some, some, some strong challenging statements of living a life of sacrifice. Um, and all of this really comes from Romans chapter 12. Um, I believe it's a Passion Translation or the message as well. Verse 1 and 2 beautifully um, illustrates this. Uh, the Passion specifically says, um, What should be our proper response to, to God's marvelous mercies and grace? It's to be living sacrifices. So our proper response of sacrificial living comes from something. Not from feeling bad about our lack of sacrifice. Some of you may be feeling bad about your lack of sacrifice this morning. That's not God's motivation. That's not my, my intent this morning. My intent for you is to see what God has called you to and invited you into and to realize that the only way that you're going to get there is firstly by responding to His love and grace for you. His mercies. But oftentimes we focus so much on, Oh, God loves me so much. I get to call Him Abba Father. I get to kind of enjoy my, my alone time with Him and I enjoy our intimacy with Him. But if that intimacy isn't leading to fruitfulness, it is fake. If your intimacy with God isn't leading to fruitfulness, you're doing it wrong. If a farmer is, is, is sowing seed, but he's not seeing fruitfulness, he's doing something wrong, right? There's something wrong with that. If we don't see growth, if we don't see fruitfulness, we're doing something wrong, guys. And we need to stop and pause in our life somewhere and ask ourselves, am I seeing fruitfulness in my life? Am I seeing what the Word of God is talking about? We need to ask those questions because if we're not willing to ask those questions, we can't be faced with a challenge. And if we're not open to be faced with a challenge, we cannot respond to it appropriately and grow from it. And so I'm not preaching at you, I'm, 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 I'm throwing thoughts and ideas and, and truths into the air and you need to grab hold of it. And respond to it. But be sure of this. That by God's grace and His Spirit inside of you. You are capable of living the life that God has called you to live. You're not incapable. You're not on your own. When Jesus sent out the disciples. He said remember I'm always with you. So Jesus is with you. He's in you. And so these hard truths. These challenging statements and ideas that has been communicated. When Paul wrote these letters to Timothy. He knew what was inside of him. I know what is inside of each one of you. And if I don't know you yet, uh, and you don't have God's Word, and you haven't received them yet, I'd love to pray with you, and we'd love to uh, celebrate that with you as a family. It's simple, it's not complicated, you don't need to clean up your act, you don't need to come to God and repent of your hundred different sins. Repentance is a change of heart. 
when you change your heart and your belief about who God is and what He accomplished for you, that will change your life. My son, throw yourself into this work for Christ. Pass on what you've heard from me, the whole congregation saying, Amen. So this is declaring and we're seeing this, this relationship of discipleship. What you've heard of me, pass it on to others. So what you're hearing this morning, I'm inviting you to share this with someone else. And maybe you're thinking like, oh man, I don't know how to preach and I'm not an eloquent speaker and I'm, I'm a stutter. Who does that sound like? Moses. Yet God used him. It's not about your talents. It's not about your gifts. It's not about anything you can do. It's not about your creativity. It's not about our beautiful yards. None of that. It's about one thing. And Paul says this. I made it my, my complete goal to forget about everything. Forget about your good looks. Forget about your education. Forget about the lack of money that you have in your bank account. No one thing and it's Jesus Christ. And what he's accomplished for you. What his desire is for you. My son, throw yourself into this work. Pass on what you've heard from me to the whole congregation saying, Amen. To reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. When the going gets rough, take it on the chin with the rest of us. The way Jesus did. A soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals in the marketplace. He concentrates on carrying out orders. An athlete who refuses to play by the rules will never make it anywhere. Will never get anywhere. It is um, the diligent farmer who gets the produce. Think, think it over. God will make it plain. <coughs> so this is not saying that you can't, do, you can't work in the marketplace. But it's about... Is, 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 He's talking about a soldier specifically, a soldier that is on duty, that has got a, a mission, that has got a purpose. And that's why um, the, the first statement that we made about um, the only hope we have is if, if, if you choose or you've decided or you've acknowledged that you're already dead before you go to war. It's this thing. It's not about you. Coming to realize that it's not about you. Side note, it's going to bless someone. You'll have a lot healthier relationships when you come to realize that it's not about you. I know it doesn't feel good to hear that and you want it to be about you because you've also got feelings. And Man, when we come to realize that it's not about us, we can be a greater blessing to the people around us. And where people actually doesn't want to, uh, when, where people have, have refrained from wanting to spend time with you because it's always about you, when you stop making it about you, the people that have kind of pushed you aside will actually start wanting to be around you because you're about seeking to be a blessing. Not, not sucking the blood out of people. A soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals at the marketplace. We've been called into, into a life of purpose, of significance. And every... I know... American uh, um, armies are different to like we we I know that we've had good armies in the past and my, my dad served in the army and my brother served in the army and so things are looking a little bit different with regards to uh, to that today but let's use just the American context of army and uh, war war is not God's intent it's not God's purpose but within war men and women who lay down their lives for something bigger than themselves even when dying, they li they've lived significantly. And they are remembered for, for that sacrifice. 
And it's beautiful and there's a lot of honor. And uh, we read a book yesterday where we're living in a culture where, where we forget to honor. And then we, we wonder why the society falling apart. We've forget, forgotten the, the value of honor. And we, we wonder why is society falling apart? Why, why is things looking the way that it's looking? And so soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals in the marketplace. Basically communicating is that, that we've been called to a, a mission field. We've been called for a specific purpose. And when we are kind of passive about who we are and what God has called us to, we can't get upset with God when our lives are falling apart, when our marriages are falling apart. Oftentimes when people go through difficult times in, in marriage, one of the things that they, they want to do and, and, and immediately kind of um, kind of adjust in their lives so that they, their marriages can become healthy is to stop coming to church. Stop even serving at church, for example. And those things are there to bless you, to build you up. And oftentimes those marriages that draw away from community and the word actually start doing more harm to them than any good. The most fruitful and the safest place you will ever be is where God has called you to as a child of God on the mission field. And that, that reference to on the mission field has got a different context for all of us. And oftentimes we just kind of think of it as a, as a Sunday thing or as a, a, a destination thing, but it's an everyday thing. Every day of our lives we are witnesses. You might be doing good at your witnessing or you might be doing bad at your witnessing. God doesn't determine that for you. You determine that for yourself. I can't determine that for you. An athlete who refuses to play by the rules will never get anywhere. He's making all of these references in light of God is God and we're not. I know that's a, that's a statement that it's again hard to believe because uh, I want to also have a say. I want to have a say, like I want to do things my way a little bit here and there. God is God and we're not. He's invited us into family. He's invited us into purpose. But if you're going to try doing things your own way and not obey and surrender to His leading and His guidance, you cannot come to Him and complain when your life is falling apart because you are doing things your way. He's not going to force his way on you. But he's going to invite you and he's going to challenge you. And in a healthy way, like I'm challenging my sons, Chris and Michael, um, they want to do their thing, they want to do things their way. And then they get hurt or this happens or that happens. And so I'm teaching them to obey. I'm teaching them to submit, to surrender. Their way to our way. Not because it's about us. We're there to protect them. We're there to instruct them, to guide them, to mature them, to be sons that are, are respectful, sons that are loving, sons that are uh, honoring of people around them. We're coming to a close. I do want to read the, that same passage of Scripture from the Passion Translation. Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace. Again, the empowerment is there. And then the empowerment is then, we've looked at this, the same with electricity, it's got a purpose. Outside of lights going on, outside of appliances being used, electricity's got no purpose. None of us are affected by load shedding when it's daytime, right? 
unless you want to watch a series or you want to make some coffee. Yeah. So uh, electricity has got a purpose. It's to give power to something. The grace of God, the Spirit of God in man has got a purpose. Salvation, yes. Relationship with God, yes. God's Spirit in man. Eternal salvation, yes. Amen. But also for our lives to take transformation. For our lives to leave a blessing, to leave a legacy behind. And that legacy is soul winning. The only treasures that we can lay out for ourselves is souls, people. That is God's invitation. And we can be co-laborers in that, like God will share in his testimony with Ian Amber. We're co-laboring. One sowed the seed, one watered the seed, and then the harvest came. But together we can accomplish this. But you need to first respond to and choose in your heart that I want to be a partaker, co-laborer in this work. I don't just want to be a pew warmer. Amen? Or a seed warmer. But I want to get onto the battlefield. I want to get onto the field of life and start making a difference because God has called me to significance, to make a difference. His Spirit in us is there for purpose. Live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength. So that's our true strength. Not how good an athlete you are, not how good a businessman you are, not even how good a mom or dad you are. It's good to be a good mom or dad. It's good to be a good husband or wife. But an unbeliever can also be a good mom and dad. An unbeliever can also be a good husband and wife. Living our lives empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is our true strength. Knowing the purpose of the power. What's the purpose of the power? We've looked at it in different settings. Acts 1 verse 8 also communicates this. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in all the world. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of how God is a guru and he comes to just fix up all of your problems. God is this guy who you just like come to the money slots, pull the lever and he's just going to give you money, money, money. Money, money, money. That's not, that's, not, that's not who God is. That's not the message of the Bible. Your true strength, fountain, anointing of Jesus and your union with him and all that you've learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, deposit to faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregation the same revelation. I become every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. An athlete who doesn't play by the rules will never receive the trophy. So remain faithful to God. The farmer who labors to produce a crop should be the first one to be fed from his harvest. There's a whole bunch in here, but again, just coming back to this, this idea and this concept that God has called us to a specific purpose, to a specific mission. And it's only when we accept that and we start living by that, that we will start enjoying and feeling satisfied in this life. Walking in our design, in our purpose. I've used this illustration before as well. If you put a, a Formula One car, John Mark, and I know Aiden would appreciate this uh, analogy. Uh, if you put a Formula One car on a rally track, it's just going to be frustrate, frustrating. Uh, uh, Max Verstappen, he would be frustrated in that car. Right? He would be frustrated. You put him in that car and it's, his, it's, it's exactly where he wants to be. But if you put that car on a rally track, on gravel, he'll be frustrated. He won't accomplish much. 
And so for us as believers, we've been called to something. But oftentimes we as believers, we formula one cast, but we go and live on the rally track. And we're going somewhere, right? Because there would be movement to some degree. And we're thinking like, man, this is awesome. We're moving. We're going somewhere. But you're actually going nowhere very fast. And so the, 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 the responsibility is on us. It's not on God. God has accomplished what He came to accomplish through Jesus Christ. And yes, there will be a, 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 a revealing of Christ and everything's going to be glorious and everything will be restored. But for now, God has accomplished what He needed to accomplish and now we have a role to play in, in, in uh, kind of bridging the gap, so to speak. Let's close with Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 19. It says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pause there. Just verse 14. We won't go to the rest of the, the verses. You can go to that at home. Verse 14. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. We want to be moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. This is God's desire for us, to be moved by His, His leading, His guidance. But being moved is going to require you not just to hear, but to do. Yeah. We can't just be hearers of the Word, but doers also, because that is true faith. True faith is, is shown in action. Faith is not an action, but faith will show and demonstrate itself in action. Right? If you really believe that God's healing power is available to you, you will at some point in your life pray for someone if they're sick. If you, however, do not believe that God's healing power has been made available to us, that belief will never get you to pray for someone that is sick. You might say like in your mind, like, okay, cool, I'm going to pray for you, and then the person is waiting for you to pray for them, and then... You, you thought that like, no, you'll pray for them and like in your quiet time tonight maybe, but then you forget because you're not really convinced that it can work. Every form of belief that you have will lead to a specific action. Every form of belief. So we need to believe in accordance with God's word, what He's made available to us so that it can start producing the fruit that we see in the word. There's a fight to fight and every believer has been called to the battle. Our salvation is not just one for ourselves, but every person we'll ever meet. Your salvation is not just for yourself, but for every person you'll ever meet in this life. We are here this morning to be equipped and to be strengthened to go out this week and set the captives free and establish those who are found. Last quote, uh, uh, the, the, the author of this, this quote is, is anonymous and it says, I'll just rephrase it a little bit. Be the kind of woman or man that when your feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh crap, they're up. This is the kind of urgency that we want in our lives. Where when we get out of bed in the morning and our feet hit the ground, the devil knows something is coming. We are forced to be reckoned with. That's God's desire for us. We are empowered with a force. A force to be reckoned with God's spirit. We've got the answer. We're the light. We need to stop hiding and start going out into the world and be the light that God has created us to be. We're empowered for it. Let's draw together. Let's be challenged with one another. If you're not living uh, and you're like feeling like you're failing miserably in any of this, come and speak to us. Like Draw into community. Jesus in John chapter 15, when there's no fruit bearing, he draws close. 
He lifts us up. He brings us closer. Because it's in being closer and greater intimacy that we can actually start producing fruitfulness. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca